Welcome to That's Her Business. I'm your host, Rosie Allen. On this podcast, you'll find conversations with entrepreneurs, corporate ladder climbers, and generally just real women working in business like you. Consider us your work bestie, here to provide some actionable advice on the day-to-day grind. Today on the podcast, I'm speaking with Maya McCann, Head of Programming for In The Know by Yahoo, a digital media and video platform. Listen as we talk about survival jobs, career pivots, and Gen Z. Welcome, Maya. Hi, Maya. How are you? Hi, I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I'm so excited to talk to you today. Um, So I wanted to just open the floor kind of and let you kind of give your little intro about yourself and what you do now and we'll go from there. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I am currently the head of programming for In The Know by Yahoo, um, which is a part of the company Yahoo. It's a brand within Yahoo. And I oversee editorial, social video and audience development for that site. And it's all geared towards Gen Z. And as a part of my role, I also program events for communities that are fans of the In The Know brand as well. Oh, cool. Um, Yeah. And I I really, I made my career by becoming an expert in like content creation and social amplification, which like is a fancy way. And the way that I prefer to say I'm good at making things go viral or getting people (laughs) to click on things. But I also analyze content performance and uh, like help build really powerful teams that are good at doing those things as well. Awesome. I honestly have so many questions about that, but obviously because it's super popular and basically how everyone's transitioning into doing business. Um, But I know we previously spoke a little bit about talking just about career development and pivoting and I feel like you're someone that has, I mean, everybody has a long story of like where they started to how they got to and no road's the same, no path is completely even, but um, yeah, do you want to like give us a a view from the beginning? Yeah. Give us the whole thing. I went to Tisch at NYU for acting and really wanted to be an experimental theater artist. Um, I believed that that was my destiny. I never wanted to have a nine to five corporate job. I never had a dream of writing, editing, doing social media. Full disclosure, I went to college from 2002 to 2006. So jobs in social media didn't really exist. Like Facebook was just coming to be during that time. I will say I was always fascinated by online video. And in the late 90s, I was one of the few nerds who was on Newground Cinema watching short form content. And I always had this like love for it because it held my attention. I think I have a naturally short attention span. (laughs) These three minute cartoons that were so kind of quirky and different than what you would see on television really always interested me. But that wasn't a career. Um, And I was like in theater in high school and I got the superlative most likely to be famous. And then I got into Tisch at NYU. And so I really believed my destiny was to be an actress. And then when that was a struggle, 
I settled on artist. Like I was like, okay, maybe not an actress, but I'm going to be an artist. And um, I pitched. Yeah, I hear that. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, I, whatever it was going to be though, it was really not in a corporate sense. And I didn't like to wake up before 11 a.m. in my 20s. I was like very um, steeped in like New York nightlife and really believed that that was my destiny was to be creative in some way and patch a life together like that. But that got old and um, I wanted to stop waitressing. So I started taking survival jobs. And I also started listening to some advice from my father, which was that I'd always <laughs> been a strong writer. And mm-hmm. so I was like, okay, well, maybe I'll be a writer, which if anybody has tried like actress, artist, or writer, I was picking three things that are equally difficult to be successful. Yeah, in. definitely. Yeah. Like I was not, I was not like, oh, maybe I'll go into something that is like accessible and there are many jobs in. I was really picking these like, fields. <laughs> and so I wound up accepting a job. I think I was about 28. And um, I accepted a entry level job at 28 to be a copywriter for a pet food e commerce site. Oh, that's so interesting. Where'd you find it? Did, were you like, where were you looking for jobs? Oh actually? My gosh. Indeed or something. Yeah, something yeah. like that. And online. I didn't know anybody to get the job. I really applied out of the blue. And I had done little I had done some marketing work at that point for a startup that did marketing for restaurants and nightlife, which mm-hmm. I could do. And it was basically generating online content for them. I randomly directed a billboard campaign. So I had dipped my toe in normal job, but only in a startup sense. And I had worked for a company based in LA. So I like worked remotely during that time too, which was very odd. Like no one was working remotely um, yeah. or very few people were. It wasn't like now we're many of us, I think, are like still hybrid or totally work from home. So I had done that, but that company hadn't lasted. So I get this copywriter job for a pet food company. And a lot of my job was like writing descriptions of cat food, um, which is a very challenging thing to do because like you want to describe the cat food, but you also have an awareness that you don't want to sound like you actually consumed the cat food. So you can't call it delicious. You have to talk about how you think your cat is going to enjoy it. it and is it like odd. different brands or is it like one brand? How do yeah, you make I them different? Yeah, I cat food. Cat food, the kibble shapes are different. <laughs> they are. And like certain cats, like flat-faced cats need a different shape of kibble. Oh, okay, okay. I, I know a lot about I'm this. I'm not a I cat think- person. I'm not going to yeah. lie. I'm definitely more of a dog person, but. I have a dog. <laughs> Yeah. So I'm, I'm writing these descriptions and then I did pretty well at the company and I graduate to writing blog posts, which were usually sponsored blog posts. It's still not what I want to be writing. And at the time I was like desperately trying to get a job at Gawker. Like I still, like I really did at that point want to write. Um, mm-hmm. And I, my job was to write the weekly blog post at this company PetFlow. And one week we didn't have a sponsor for the blog post. And Um, I went to my manager who kind of let me do whatever I want. He like wasn't super tapped in. I was like, I want to kind of try to make a blog post go viral. And we had this Facebook audience of like half a million pet owners. Yeah. And and this is 2013. So like was stuff going viral? I guess stuff going viral was not really a thing then, right? No. Okay. So there were sites that were starting like Viral Nova, 
was one okay. of them and then BuzzFeed. So they oh, were doing yeah. like listicles and that was like that era of internet content. And I was like, what if I do that for pet stuff? And I knew that the, the it was mostly female followers. I knew they were really like concerned about their cat's health in general. And I just write this blog post, seven things in your home that will kill your cat right now. Oh I put God. a little feature image of a kitten that looked like the kitten was in distress. And I think I put some like red X's over it because I saw what viral Nova was doing. And I was like, yeah. I want to see if I can replicate this. And I was mm-hmm. honestly, I was bored. So I was like, let me just try. And there was no purpose to me doing this. Like no one was like, try to go viral. I was just like, I want to just see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. And I Googled, I remember I Googled like what can kill your cat and antifreeze, by the way, is one of the things you can't have to keep that out of reach of cats. So I post the blog post and it crashes the entire e-commerce site. Like the traffic was so big on it that the entire website crashes and the founder came out of his office and he was like, what did you just do? And I thought I was in trouble and I told him and he was like, can you do that tomorrow? And I was like, yeah. And at the time I was like, I just, I'm going to write seven things that'll kill your dog. Like I didn't, I was just, I wasn't. You were like, I have no strategy here. No, I was just like, I guess I can do this again. And so I did it again the next day. And then we added. Did it work? Yeah. I mean, not to the same degree, but we started replicating Mm -hmm. it. One of the founders had the idea, hey, instead of you actually writing all of this content, find a YouTube video, embed it into the blog post, write a headline about the YouTube video and like four or five lines of describing the video. And so that's what I started doing. And that turned into a super viral blog. I looked at AdSense and I realized how much money this was generating. Mm -hmm. And I updated my LinkedIn and I got (laughs) coached by another company to do the same thing for them. The founders of the pet food e-commerce company hired people to like fulfill what I had been doing with pets. Mm -hmm. And they found that like I was better, uh, frankly, I was just better at writing the headlines. So they hired me back in a more senior position. Oh, wow. So So you went back and forth? I I bounced to one company for six months and then I came back. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I came back, we named the blog. We turned the blog into its own company, which was called Little Things. And I owned the content team at that point. And it turned into like, that's where I made my career. So I went from basically being like a very junior social media manager to being an editor in chief and EVP of programming in a four year span and having a team of zero to 65 people. Oh my God. (laughs) Because I literally took that risk, but it was also that everything in my life kind of fed into it and put me in the right place to do something like that. And I did also lean into it. And I think, um, yeah, so that was, that was how my kind of career was built. And since then little things eventually, um, went out of business. I worked for a company that acquired the assets. And then I worked in like basically working on mergers and acquisitions of other digital media brands Mm -hmm. and bringing creative teams together And then I got the job at Yahoo that I'm in now about three years ago. And it was all through this kind of chance thing that happened. And um, yeah, so that's my career background. (laughs) Wow, that is, that's a really good story. (laughs) It's really good. I have some questions. Sure. Just to like follow up. Um, So 
when you say you crashed the site, was it purely like traffic to the site or was it resulting in sales at all as well? Like did oh, it no. input their direct e-commerce sales or? It didn't because it wasn't an advertisement it and wasn't it wasn't like that. a, yeah, this is like the early, this was before affiliate was even a thing. So mm-hmm. it was purely like seven things that might kill your cat. I do remember the founders that I worked for were super smart. And so they were always trying to tie revenue to it. And I do think they tried to make me make some products go viral. Um, and then yeah. I did wind up hiring someone when the company became little things who was better at making things go viral than I was. And the th- the power, like the real power of viral content is like having an emotion behind it. Mm-hmm. And for a pet food company, there wasn't anything like that other than I think we we did really well with um, something called they were called thunder coats or something. And there were these little jackets you can put on your pet when <laughs> they're scared Yeah. Um, of fireworks. Oh, to like calm them down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> those did well at 4th of July. So like you could make those go viral. Um, and then pet food recalls always would crash the site. But for the pet food e-commerce company, it wasn't really product driven at that time. Interesting. So in your like professional opinion, what do you think is like super key to make things go viral or to make like videos or whatever? You know, it's so it's changed. Um, I think that in 2014 you could and it's changed because platforms have changed, but it's also changed because people have shifted the way that they view content online for a lot of different reasons mm-hmm. that I could probably talk to you all day but in early Facebook times, you could just scare people into clicking on anything. Um, <laughs> and I kind of called it like par- appealing to the paranoid grandma in, in anyone. And mm-hmm. so that initial post that I told you about with the crazy headline about cats, people are like, what can kill cats? And I still see content like that doing well. I Yeah, do I definitely with- see it out there. There was recently a TikTok that went viral that I saw that was a doctor being like, here are five places on your body that you are not washing enough. And I immediately watched the, I watched the whole thing. I sh- I'm going to just say right now, I shower like three times a day. I'm, I'm very clean. But I was like, what if something is not clean? And when I go to the doctor, they're like, this woman is dirty. So I watched the TikTok because it appealed to this like fear. You, so yeah. fear fear drives it. And then Mm -hmm. anything with an emotional response drives it. There's nothing like, there's nothing that performs as well, I think, as like reunion content when people haven't seen each other for a long time and they like are reunited. That's really powerful. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And then human experience stuff does well. And honestly, I, I did listen to, I think you did something with the founder of Cakes. Oh yeah. Casey. The uniting people through like a shared grievance and mm-hmm. that grievance that you spoke to her about was the fact that men design bras really poorly which i agree with um uniting people with this like shared alignment towards a view for better or for worse i mean i think that's why a lot of political things have happened is like people have been good at viral content uniting people against other people which is horrible to say but it's true yeah that makes sense though Yeah. Like, so there's like a community element too, where you're like, oh my God, other people feel the same way I do. You, you get identity through it. And I've seen people finding identity through content as something that really came to life in 2020. And I see people resonating more with that sort of thing now. That makes sense. 
Um, so what can you tell us about Gen Z? Because I'm a millennial. Yeah. <laughs> You're a millennial, right? Yes, I am. Yes. I, I am a geriatric millennial. <laughs> I'm a Which means I'm Actually, I'm mid. I'm mid-tier. <laughs> You're a mid-millennial. I'm like yeah. an elder millennial. My brother is an exennial. Oh, yeah. okay. But I can tell you, um, I think that Gen Z, I love them personally. I know that I'm not them. I'm fascinated by them. <laughs> I just love them. I think they're great. I do think they're going to change the, change the world. And I think that mm-hmm. they believe that they can change the world. Um, compared to millennials, I, I would say that their focus is on the greater good, whereas our focus was on we really truly were the selfie generation. And I think if you even look back at your own Instagram content from like 2014, I keep referencing 2014, but like 2015, <laughs> 2016, it's yeah. a lot of us turning the camera on ourselves. It's on ourselves. It's on ourselves. Yeah, definitely. And there's more with Gen Z of them turning the camera, I think, outward and trying to find solutions to problems. Um, I do think like on a downside, there is some, we had more human connection than they did. And so there are some disconnects. There is a tendency to multitask. That is something that I don't like. We multitask as a millennials multitask, but Gen Z does it even more. They do it crazier, especially like in media or videos that they're sharing. They're doing like four things at once Mm -hmm. and explaining something on top of it. And it's like, if you ever sit down and try to recreate it, I'm just like, I can't multitask that. (laughs) And I think that also while we're talking about Gen Z, I think any company or person that's trying to understand them should spend some meaningful time on TikTok. Mm -hmm. Because if you're not, it's like you're not getting it. And I think there's still this lasting, like this lasting idea that TikTok is what Musical.ly was, which is like teenagers dancing around and doing dances. And really, you can just listen to Gen Z by scrolling through TikTok With that having been said, not all of Gen Z, I mean, a lot of Gen Z is on TikTok, but also YouTube is a great place. And if you watch and follow YouTube creators that are a part of Gen Z, that's really powerful. And then lastly, the one I probably do the least that I should do more is Twitch. Um, But Twitch is really- Oh, yes. I almost forgot about Twitch. Yes. Twitch is a big one. (laughs) Snap you can, but I just feel like Snap is more about direct communication my, I don't even know what Snap it. Oh, Snapchat? Snapchat. Oh, are, are we calling it Snap? <laughs> I, I think that might be like a media industry thing. <laughs> okay, okay. But Snapchat is is from, from what I gather about it. And look, like, honestly, also the other thing is, and there are Gen Z consulting companies where they will consult with you. They're really smart too. And they're really entrepreneurial. And I'm like, I'm like, why didn't I start a millennial like seven years ago? I could have started a company where I was like, I'm a millennial, come talk to me. And there are some Gen huge. Z kids. Yeah. It would have been huge. There are Gen Z kids who have literally started that and they do pretty well. But I would say watch TikTok, have an understanding of Snap, spend time on YouTube watching like things like reaction channels and understanding the way that they watch content. I think the stat that people often forget is like, I believe 95% of Gen Z is viewing YouTube on a regular basis. And so... Mm-hmm. If you're only looking to television and you're only looking at shows like Euphoria, you're actually having like a grown-ups understanding of them instead of like being native to their platforms and native to the content that they're creating. Yeah, I think that's a great point. So on your team, I know you manage like quite a lot of people. 
do you have representatives that are from that generation working on your team? So in my current role, I'm not man- so little things was where I manage like 65 people. Currently, oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, Yahoo has like it's like a smaller team. It's 13 people I think that are in my group. We do have interns sometimes who are so helpful. Um, I remember I was in a pitch meeting when I first started at Yahoo, and there was someone who I think is like youngest millennial slash maybe latest Gen Z mm-hmm. who did not know how didn't know Ashanti, and I think that was <laughs> what really hit me that I was like no longer the young cool generation, and it was a that was a bad day for me. Um, but yeah, we do try to have those voices, and we also tap into. As a company, we tap into Gen Z creators. So you can't hire, you know, at Yahoo, you're not going to hire someone who's 17. But there are, right, right, right. there's ways you can tap into those creators and create content in tandem with them. Um, and we have done that before. Awesome. Uh, I'm trying to think what other questions I had for you. I did want to just overall get your opinion on like, if you were to give advice to a 20 something or early 30s, on pivoting your career because I feel like you did a few pivots there yeah what do you recommend like how do you recommend they even get started on a pivot or identify what that next thing is for them to do my god that's like a big (laughs) question I think for me remaining flexible and making the next right decision to take care of myself financially was something that I had to do in my late 20s I needed like a steady paycheck and benefits. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes you have to do that and see where it goes. And if you don't completely hate your job, stick with it and try things and take risks. I also think working for startups, if you truly are not entirely sure of how you want to pivot, working for startups can be a great avenue because you get a lot of experience. You're mixing with more levels you're mixing with entrepreneurs. You are working harder, but I mm-hmm. felt like the time that I spent at a startup, especially in a startup that grew really quickly, was an education. I am so grateful for my the founders, the president, and my mentors there. I feel like I'm so well-versed in how businesses not only run, but the bad things that happen to businesses, and it's prepared me for everything. And then um, reaching out to other women and asking them for help or asking them to become my mentors has been huge. Like I had the opportunity when I was in that first job to go to a lot of conferences and speak on behalf of my brand. But, and that was great. I liked speaking because I had been an actor. So I liked being on stage, but the more important part was whenever I met someone who seemed vaguely cool or worked for a company I liked, that was a woman, I would go and talk to them and try to befriend them probably to the point where some people thought I was weird. some of those relationships I've cultivated are still my friends in the business and they're not people I've ever worked with. They're random women that I chatted with at conferences and then asked to have breakfast. I asked the CEO of a really successful media company to get breakfast with me once. I feel like breakfast. Yeah. She had breakfast with me and I wanted a job at her company at the time and I didn't get it, but I could still reach out to her now and it wouldn't be random And I do feel like if you ask people for mentors, the thing that we forget, we get so self-conscious about being like, how can I ask this person to be my mentor? But they're usually so flattered. Mm -hmm. And I know this because I've had someone do that to me. I've had one person. I feel like in my later (laughs) career, I'll have more. But I had someone be like, can I still talk to you about career stuff? And I was like, 
I will cancel all of my meetings if you call me and like ask me. Are you kidding me? That's so cool. I feel so like fancy. And it's just been so powerful. So like talk to other people in the industry. They're more than willing to help you. And I always look for people who have had careers that have gone in different directions too. Mm-hmm. There's also a really good Stacy. Uh, there's a good Fast Company article that I just read by Stacy London. Who do you know who she is? I don't. Okay. Do you remember the TV show What Not to Wear? Yes. <laughs> she has had like five different careers, and she just put out this article. She's now in her early fifties about career pivots, and so reading about people pivoting and it can be really good. I don't go to LinkedIn for that sort of thing. I really do like read. I like to read like old school articles or Mm -hmm. even watching career content on TikTok can be good. Um, Although I found YouTube content on career to be like kind of lacking and super corporate, but stuff on TikTok can be really helpful too. I would just say like research it. I'm rambling. Uh, You're fine. Is it okay? Yeah, you're totally fine. Send me that article and I'm going to link it in the show notes in case anyone else wants to read it too. I love Stacey London. I think she's the coolest. Um, no, I think that that's, that's great. And honestly, your note about YouTube versus TikTok, I could totally see YouTube being way more formal because I feels like much more like serious of a platform with the long format videos, whereas TikTok is like way more informal. So I think people probably are less afraid to be more honest and, and stuff like that. So I think that makes sense as well. Um, But yeah, that's honestly all the questions I have for you today. Do you have any last words or anything else you wanted to chat about? No, this has been so, so fun. Visit in the know.com. The content we're doing over there and I'll link you guys below. So you're handling their, all their programming, a portion of their content, their event programming, uh, and then their social. So on TikTok. Um, and the videos on Facebook, some of the videos on Instagram, because we also have a premium content team. Um, so it's like very much a shared responsibility. It's a way more collaborative environment than like at a startup where I was doing everything, but I kind of love it because it allows us to focus and really create the best content. And I'm very proud of what we do there. Yeah, that's great. I'm going to link it below so everyone can see. Yay. Um, awesome. Well, thank you. It was so nice to chat with you. You too. Thank you for listening to That's Her Business. I'm your host, Rosie Allen, and thank you, Maya, for joining us today. I'll make sure to list any articles that Maya and I talked about below and make sure you guys follow In The Know on social media. Till next time.